I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to The Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. Welcome to the first Foyne Jones show of 2020. Happy New Year to one and all. Today in the Foyne Jones studio, we've obviously got Callum Church, who's a permanent fixture in almost every episode now. And we are joined by Andrew Athenius. Andrew, how are you, sir? Good morning. Um, I'm fine, thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to see to see in the new year and um, uh, make a cracking start to 2020. Well, you, you come you come with a glowing recommendation. You come you come very well represented, and you're someone who I think is going to be a different guest for our listeners because you're going to be telling telling your story. You know, you're much travelled. We talk about how you arrived in the UK and and what you're doing now. But what you're doing now, I think, is going to resonate with almost every single one of our listeners who has something to do with running, owning, or working within a business. Whether they're a corporate PLC, whether they're a small SME, you know, a one-man band or a medium-sized company, there is something which Amphenia Collections can do for them. And would you like to tell us what that is, Andrew? Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, the company is Athena Collections. Um, we take an intelligent approach to debt collection. Um, it's not your run-of-the-mill sort of mainstream business that you'd um, just get into I think um, so and it's not people a business that you know people aspire to be but it's a job that needs doing and um, hopefully we can sort of help people. Well I think rather than, rather than looking at cash flow and getting paid as being the elephant in the room I think it's absolutely critical for any business to survive um, as a business owner myself and as a, as a human being myself I've seen I've seen both sides of, of, of pressure with debt and being paid and not being paid and the effect it has and I think we can come on to we can come on to how it affects people personally and how it affects business but the intelligent approach to debt collection is something I wish I hope we're going to share in the episode and what you're also going to be able to do is give people some like health checks as well talk mm-hmm. about what we can be doing to help themselves and how your business as a partner could potentially help people if they do need that extra support to to get paid I guess yeah absolutely and hopefully we can brilliant Andrew welcome to the show thank you So Andrew, we're going to come on to the Athena Collection story, mm-hmm. but I, but one of the I think one of the secrets to the success of the Foyne Jones show and why Callum is the celebrity is is that he really likes us to focus on the the human side and the personal side of the guests and the business owners we've got on. So let's learn a little bit about yourself, your background, your career, and and what you kind of do away from work, so we get to know you as a person. Okay, so um, well. How long we got, I suppose. As long as you need, mate. <laughs> um, I was uh, born in Australia to Greek parents. Uh, grew up there until I was about 12. Then we moved back to Greece at that point. Um, so that was a bit of a culture shock for me. Um, moving countries and going to a, a place where I didn't know the what language. Part, what part of Australia did you go to? Uh, Sydney. Okay. Uh, and we moved then to Greece, Crete. Um, so, so, you know, so did you like not like the hot weather? Because no. eventually you come to the UK. Well, there I came for love. That was yeah, a different I, story. Oh, what, what a great answer! What a great. Is, is is Mrs. Andrew listening to the show? Well, she probably is. Yeah, she will be she now. Will be she now, will be definitely. now. Yeah, we put in that one in. Oh, that was great. What a great reason. So, so, so let's go back to that. So, so as a child, as a young boy, you grew up in Australia. Yep. Sydney, Bondi, and everything that goes with it. That's it. You went to, then went to the holiday Isle of Crete. Yep. Very very intense heat, but another beautiful part of the world. And love brought you to the UK. That's it. So I met my wife. Um, she was on holiday out in Crete with her family. Um, met her. So well, Shirley Valentine, yeah. Met her father first. So I got chatting to him. Met her mother. Started chatting to her. Sort of worked my way through the family. Um, and just got chatting to her. Was that a plan tactic? Or, well, or, I don't yeah. know. It was actually funny enough. It, it was regarding football. We started talking, and um, uh, he was telling me he's a big, big Tottenham Hotspur fan, and we just got chatting about football in general. Um, got on really well and um, 
yeah, just sort of happened, I suppose. Um, okay, I, you know, I can vouch for how big a Tottenham fan <laughs> he is because uh, we've, we've, I mean, people won't know listening to this, but we've been to football together uh, to watch our respective teams. And uh, yeah, your father-in-law loves his football, mate. Definitely, 100%. Yeah, he definitely does. Carry on, mate. Carry on, Andrew. So, yeah, so I moved to Greece. Um, I had to do my national service at that point when I was about 18, 19. Um, and then after uh, the national service, uh, we decided to sort of settle down somewhere and um, for me it was always going to be England obviously because my wife's from here but um, uh, from a career perspective I think um, England has more to offer than, than Greece itself although the weather is a bit of a shock to the system that's the I mean, I mean, I mean, that was my opening gambit. You know, you got you've gone from Sydney and Crete to South, well, South, South London, Surrey, in a way, yeah. haven't you? But, but let's just. I really wanted to dwell on this. Just for just for a little while, mate. I'm intrigued. National service. Yeah. What did you do? Well, everything really. So it was um, it was compulsory as well. Yeah. So there was no choice in the matter. Yeah. I had to do 18 months um, in the Greek army. Uh, which mainly consisted of doing a lot of training, uh, guard duties, um, but a lot of cool things as well, like you know, firing weapons, grenades, um, hot helicopter rides. So it was all cool fun, but it was eighteen months. I could have, you know, had we done it in six months, I would have been. If you, just as if happy. you was a Premier League player with a, with a few appearances, you might have been able to get out of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah you, you see that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. and they don't go back. So, so eighteen. But I mean, I mean, this this is interesting, though, isn't it? Because because this, you know, it used to be in the, you know, before before I was growing up, but but it used to be something that happened here in the UK and and, and all, all of our all of our states, but not now. Um, did you did you take what did you take out of it when you when it completes? I think at the time I hated it because it was compulsory and you, you didn't want to be in there because, yeah. you know, again, I'd only just met my, my wife at the time. So the last thing I wanted to do was compulsory national service. However, um, looking back at the time now, you learn a lot of discipline. Um, you learn a lot of ethics um, and just doing the right thing and, you know, the, respecting the hierarchy of uh, the army and gen just general life, uh, life skills. Um, so, you know, I think looking back at it, I would recommend that anyone that can do should do. Um, and yeah, it is disappointing that they don't do it. Um, you know, in this country, because I think people would really benefit from it. Do, do you think? Do you think logistically, not not even with the, with the cost, but logistically, like with the size of the population now, that that could be something that could be, it's, it's achievable. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's look. England's a lot bigger than Greece, um, mm. and even in Greece, when I was doing it, they used to pay us a, a salary, and it was the equivalent of one pound a month. Mm. Um, and you also used to get a, a toilet roll, one toilet roll per month. Um, so that was it. And other than that, they gave you um, free accommodation and free uh, free food. So you know it, it's it's not attractive to say the least. But, but but you are but you are looking back in it with a wall. So you know you, you spent that eighteen months for, for your country. You, as much as the the discipline, the teamwork, I guess the life skills, the respecting authority, the that that clarity, decision making's there. And you are going through some some tough conditions I mean that that's character building itself mm -hmm. isn't it so 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 you're coming out of it arguably a better person than what went in 100%. you know with your moral compass arguably yep. pointing in the right direction um so so there is there is real benefits there do you think some of the I mean I'm not talking about bed making and, and, and firing rockets here but I'm talking about some of some of the the skills and the experiences you had have helped you become a business owner yeah definitely 100 percent. you know and I suppose a lot of it was the the discipline side of it because you would, if someone told you to do something, you would never disobey that order. You would just get on and do it, whether you liked it or not. Um, and it, that, to me, has sort of taught me that, you know, there's things that you have to do, you know, appreciating clients and taking their instructions, but giving them um, best advice where possible. Um, and just sort of that, that human approach, you know, it, it does set you up, I think, better in life to... To appreciate things more. That's a great angle. You know, we've we've had ex-servicemen as guests before, so I think you're probably the first person to do a, mm. to do national services come on. But I do think it gives gives people an understanding of your character, and there's a there's a warmth of personality. You know, there's a warmth of, of a humour when 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 I talk to you, but there's also that that toughness there as mm. well. And I think that's going to help doing what you do. Um, 
So we go back to the we're going back to the journey, Andrew. So so we, we know we've left Sydney for Crete, we've left Crete for Croydon or Caterham or <laughs> so, you know South London, Surrey. Um, how did you find you know arriving in the UK with, with just you know as a as a family and just just getting into the to live in? When when was this? When did you arrive in the UK? So I, I I arrived here in two thousand, and obviously my wife already lived here yeah. with her family, um, so it was just me, uh, and I rocked up. Uh, to the airport, hoping that my father-in-law... Well, How old was you then, mate? I was uh, 18, 19 years old, hoping that he'd pick me up from the airport. You know, if that was me the other way around, and, like, you know, w- with my daughter, I probably yeah. would have left myself there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so um, that, that was um, very scary for me. Obviously, different country, not knowing um, where to go, had no one turned up to pick me up. Um, but yeah, it did, and um, you know, and from there onwards, really, um, it was just a matter of right. Let's settle down roots and find a job, a proper job, what our class is a proper job, uh, and just try and get into to the the, the industry, I suppose. But um, debt collection, you know, no one wakes up wanting to be a debt collector, so I really fell into that, to be honest. Andrew, what I want to do is we're just going to focus on you know that path to becoming a business owner. But I don't think we can anyone can become a business owner without solid foundations and, and family behind you. I mean, for me, you know, I've I've achieved what I've achieved because I've got a stable, you know, brilliant wife who can calm me down, point me in the right direction, and you know, hold the family together while I've been grafting. Whether that's in the corporate world or the entrepreneurial world, having that back that balance behind you, and, and we had a young family. We still got a young family. I mean, they're grown up now, but we're still relatively young. It does, it does create pressures, but you've got children of your own, haven't you? Yeah, I've got two lovely little girls, uh, Tabitha's 14 and Matilda, who is 12. Tabitha and Matilda, and they're living not far from Callum on the south coast. That's it, so I, I suppose um, I couldn't get away from the seaside, so um, we moved down recently from the Croydon area down to the Worthing area um, and just settled uh, down roots here to sort of, you know, start a new chapter in life. We've titled this episode, it's our first episode of 2020, Intelligent Debt Recovery. We hear about the political pressures, we hear about everything that's going on with the economy, the good, the bad, and everything that's in the middle, but being paid, collecting what's owed, and having someone there to support you is really, really important for any business owner. I'd like to take some time, if we can, to talk about the, the story behind Athena Collections, uh, so I think that's important, you know, mm-hmm. how you arose, arose at that point to, to go out on your own and make that make that brave step. So we talk about the past, we talk about the present, and we talk about what the future holds. And, you know, bring this intelligent approach to debt collection to life in as personable and, you know, detailed a way as possible in a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose my background is, um, well, all the time since I've been in England, um, I've worked in the debt collection uh, industry. Um, like I said previously, it's something I fell into. Um, I just applied for a random job thinking, yeah, it's an office job, happy days. Um, and it transpired to be a, a debt collection job. Uh, I got about two hours worth of training, sitting with a guy, um, just watching what he was doing on the system. And then the next phone call comes in, he puts it next to my ear. And I'm like, just stuttering, not knowing what to say, but he's just telling me read from the, the, the page. And it, to be honest, it's a really straightforward process. You know, you're, you're instructed by a client, they're owed some money, you, you know the amount of money, and you just sort of ask them when they're gonna pay. It's as simple as that. And you just start to then ask leading questions and find out, you know, the reasons why they can't pay. So I think from there onwards, what happened was I became um, general manager of the company that I used to work for. Um, and uh, then just, we got bought out by a company, uh, a big debt purchasing company in Rygate. Um, and we then moved over to Rygate from Croydon. Uh, and eventually I then became head of legal collection. So that's predominantly my background is uh, the litigation and insolvency side. Um, but I have got that general sort of uh, all rounded business experience because I've had to do my budgeting and forecasting in that. So I think that really set me up quite well to, to 
to start a business and that was the foundation for me. Uh, but other than that, really, I had no financial sort of accounting experience. So that's, I suppose, my, my weakness there and I've had to learn on the job um, from that side. But doing the actual job itself, I've been doing it now for the best part of 20 years. Um, lots of stories to potentially tell. Um, not sure if we can, but um, yeah. Well, we can. We can. <laughs> we can. We can. We can bring, bring bring as many stories as we can. And I think it's you know there, there's some. There, this is real life. You know, it's not a TV show. You know, I know. I know you 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 see some of these type of situations turned into TV shows, and you know they 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 they're dramatized in a way that makes them entertaining. But but I think what you do is it's real life and it's affecting real people, real companies, and, and real businesses. What what's really interesting is is going back to that that original sort of entry point. It was a job, mm-hmm. you know. It's amazing how people back then, you know, in in a different sort of different generation, you would you would start a job and people would stay mm-hmm. in a job. They would stay in a sector. They would stay in a career. Um, the the modern worker or the younger generation, I think Callum's generation. What are you? What generation are you, Callum? Generation Z, I think. Generation Z, he thinks. He's not quite sure. Yeah, or, so X or Z or even the ones coming up. I think their, their length of tenure, their, their, their commitment into a certain career, profession, trade, whatever it would be, I don't feel that as much now. I, I think there's a lot, lot more uh, creativeness on moving, you know, moving as a nomad into this sector or that sector and building up skills where back in my day, and I'm pretty old, but back in my day it was that's what you're doing and that's what you stay at. I fell into a builder's merchant, didn't decide to, didn't wake up at school and think, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a builder's merchant. I, I went for a summer job and stayed there for a very long time and then launched a business to support that, that type of sector. I guess with yourself, it's been a, been a similar journey. Well, really, I suppose from my perspective, I had no choice really because coming from Greece, my options were to get into the agricultural side, either picking olives or picking oranges. And I was way more ambitious than that. And there's no disrespect to that job itself, but I just felt that I could offer a lot more. So that's uh, formed part of the reason of coming to England and setting roots down uh, here and you know, building a business and starting a career as such, and mm. this has led me to where I am today. And that's right. Let, let's let's talk about where you are today. You know, the the challenges that you had to overcome to get this business up and running. So, talk about Amphina Collections. Talk about where you are now, and just bring that to life for us, Andrew. So Athena Collections, well, obviously, with regards to the experience, I've been doing this job for twenty years, um, and I've. I've seen over the last sort of 20 years with the employers that I've been with um, that they don't necessarily always meet my standards. And, you know, they may do things in a particular way and it's acceptable to them. But when it comes to my own standards, I think I, I just I want more for the client, the end client. Um, you know, the way I look at things is that if this was my money owed to me, what would I do and try and look at it from that perspective? Um, and not potentially sort of, you know, try and get cases to, you know, just get a quick settlement, for instance, or um, just to get paid out. Um, so I'd always look at best case scenario for the for the client. Um, the alternative is to push the case into uh, litigation or insolvency, but that might not be the best outcome. So I always try and look at a case from the back end. Uh, what if we had to go through the entire process from A to Z what would be the end result and then try and work it to the beginning um, and see how you know that could evolve Um, so for instance a good example would be um, if I wanted to get a charge over someone's property well if they're a non-homeowner then there's no point in me even looking at that so I need to make inquiries first to see if they're a homeowner and then work backwards Um, so you know that's just a really sort of simple example. I think from a, from a personal perspective, and I'm, I'm happy to share share some of this story because it's you know I, I talk about it quite regularly. I I learned some har- harsh lessons during the recession of 2009 and 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 that recovery in 2010 2011. And you know I took some wax. You know my my credit score got hammering. You know I I, I had I had creditors and debt, debt, it, I was under a lot of pressure. And it's taken me 
a long time, I'd say eight, nine, ten years to get that credit score back on track and be in a position where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy again in terms of where I am. But those scars are permanent, and some of them are still being repaid from a personal perspective. And you look at you look at your business, and you go right, okay, so so where was I exposed, and where where did it, why did it go wrong so quickly? And I think from a from a trading perspective, we at the time fell victims because we was we were heavily exposed to large companies, you know, large PLCs with, with great relationships, doing lots of great business. But when they all stopped spending or turned the proverbial taps off, if you like, we were all of a sudden, whoa, mm. you know, we've still got our offices, we've still got our headcount, we've still got our, we've still got our costs, but we've got nothing coming in. So you almost had to reinvent reinvent the way you work to, to, to survive. And I think that, that 24 month journey is where I learned the most about myself in those tough times. I, I look back at it now and I think, yeah, I made some bad decisions, I made some really good decisions, but I'm still looking back at it. And then I think that's the positive thing is that when I look back, I'm not gonna put myself in that situation again. And I've learned that if you have the right partners and the right approach and you're, you're quite humble in terms of what you want to try and do and achieve, you can resolve most problems. Yeah. Not, not every problem, but you can resolve most problems. When you get to a point when you can't, having someone you can talk to, a business, a person within that business who can listen, understand and work with you makes all the difference. We got we, we got to know each other because of that situation. Uh, I had some I had some problems when you know we had some invoices that were outstanding and you know I, at first I needed to find someone who could understand it and listen. And then from that it's what we can and what we can't do. Uh, I remember the conversations. That's not gonna there's no point chasing that, but we can do something here. But one thing you did and it always it always stands with me is you never took away the power of actually talking, of actually have, communicating, you know, how can we resolve it? What can we do to work together? And, and that, that's quite refreshing, because being on the other hand of it in years gone by, where it was just fret, 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 intimidation, 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 what could happen as a business owner or someone, it doesn't have to be a business owner, but you just shut down. You shut down and just stop communicating, and then it's, it's harder to get it going again then, because it's impersonal. Um, was that perhaps one of the things you was referring to when you said and you don't have to be you don't have to name names or name companies, but you said you didn't like the way some of the debt collection was being done where you was working? I think it was just um, it was more of a an intelligent approach. Yeah. You know, like you say, for me, communication is key, and all the time whilst there's communication between the parties, there, there's the likelihood of a deal being done, whether that's a settlement or you know potentially a breakdown. But when that communication stops your hand is then forced to take some kind of action. Um, whereas, whilst the communication is ongoing, you can do a deal. You know, you can agree to maybe a reduced settlement because, you know, both parties aren't innocent in this. Yeah. Um, so there's always going to be uh, some sort of leeway there. And that's, for me, it's just being alert to that and acting upon it there and then as opposed to, you know, the threat, 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 you know, you can get a result, but you might have to take some course of action to deal with that. Where for me, if I can avoid that cost for the client and try and get a similar outcome, then the client's happy, I'm happy. So, Alfina Collections started trading in 2017? That's is that right, right, yeah. 2017, so you, you know, you, you've, you've you you pass that two year period, I guess. So you know you you you're there, and you talk to me about you know your your business is getting bigger, which I I guess that's a great thing for you, but it comes with added pressure. Yeah, you, you're mixing that up with uh with two teenage girls. Yeah, you know who I hope are listeners to the show or will be listeners to the show, <laughs> and the marriage and the moving home. So all that's going on. How do you keep positive, mate? How do you relax? Well, I think it's it's that remembering that why why you're yeah. doing it, and that's for me is is obviously the family. Um, you know the the wife and the the kids. That that's the main reason of just you know every day. You know when you get a little bit down on yourself and you think oh, I could have done this better. You just remember that why, and that's the fundamental um, thing that makes me sort of look forward to each day, I suppose. And you know settling roots down here in Worthing for us, I think is um, is positive, and uh, it's just something to look forward to. And we just create new memories now. Athena Collections is a hybrid receivables management and debt collection agency. We specialise in all types of credit activity from early stage arrears to late stage post-insolvency proceedings and everything in between. 
Our outstanding debt collection processes will recover your debt as quickly as possible, but most of all, without any disruption to your business. With no sign-up fees or contracts to sign, we work on a no-collection, no-commission basis. This means we only charge our commission on any monies actually collected. It's as simple as that. For more details, visit our website at www.athenacollections.co.uk. Athena Collections, an intelligent approach to debt collection. Hey, Joe, it's been brilliant to get to know you, and I'm saving the, the football for a, for a little while, because we've got so much to talk about <laughs> about football. Um, I'm going to give you a bit of grief for the pain I, pain I, uh, share, pain I experienced when we, uh, when we last went to a football match together. Um, yeah, uh, dear, oh dear. Short, shortest player on the, on, the, on the field by none, rose like a salmon to, to head the ball in, didn't he? That was the um, 93rd minute, if I remember right. Yeah, it, was about the, it was about the 99th minute. That was <laughs> in one of them games when you just play until Fulham lose. It was just one of those games. That's what, that's what we went through last year. We'll, come on, we'll, we'll tell people who it is who they haven't guessed already, and they could probably guess that already if they know anything about, about football. But I want to focus on your experience, okay? We've got to know you. We know that you're running your own business and Phoenix Collections. And let's be honest, every single person listening to this show who subscribes to the podcast needs to be paid. Yep. You know, we don't love to be paid on time. But the reality is you're not always paid on time, but we need to get paid. Your company provides guidance, support for intelligent debt recovery. What? How can you help people out, Andrew? What is it you do? Right, I think, well, th- there's five sort of reasons uh, that we can help or any debt collection agency can help. And it's the first one being is that third-party psychology. Um, you know, all well and good, you chasing your debts, but unless it starts to escalate, then you're, you're not going to get paid. So by having that third-party psychology, uh, you will then sort of escalate it to a third party and that person, in their mind, they'll be thinking... Right, it's gone from Peter to Athena now. My God, Athena is saying that they're going to do this, that, the other to us. Um, so let's sit up and listen and take action. So I think that's the first part. Um, the, the second part is uh, being multidimensional. So you know, as a debt collection agency, we can be we can be really, really soft, and or we can be really, really hard. It, it really depends on the client's um, preference. You know, a lot of times. Um, I joke about it, but I say our services range from feather duster to baseball bat. Um, and if the client wants us to go in soft, we'll do that account receivable job. But if they want us to go in hard, then we'll be looking at the litigation or the insolvency side of it. So we can do all of that. Um, we can provide the soft approach, the legal services, um, and, and you know, basically do, do what the client asks us to do. Um, the third point would be, we have no emotions, although we are human beings and we have emotions. Um, we we step outside of the emotional side mm. from from your perspective. We just look at the facts, black and That's white. That's really hard to do, you know, because yeah. because I, I I find myself either getting too drawn or trying or trying to be too away from it, and you and it is very very hard because one of the challenges I would face and people like myself, businesses that, that we we work with, businesses that we support, partners that we have. That you've always got an eye on is the, is the ongoing relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't want to do anything at, at an early stage with a with a with a late payment or an outstanding invoice that can potentially be counterproductive to future trading. But how do you get that right? Well, how, how do you get that right? You know, there's, it's 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 clearly a dark art, or it's clearly something that you that you that you guesstimate as best you can. Communication helps. Communication works because it can't be avoided. But I think what what I've learned is that that many of the problems are can be self-caused you know you can you can be causing them yourself by not having things right at the start so a calm cool collective business working on your behalf arguably has got to be able to make a difference for you yeah i think in that sort of respect is that you know you're you're emotionally involved in this situation and you could let the emotions get the better of you and then start to feel sort of anxious angry about the situation you come to a standoff um, and then the relationship breaks down. Whereas with our sort of soft approach, we would look at it as more of a credit control uh, approach and, and say to the client um, that, you know, we're, we're reconciling the sales ledger and this particular invoice is outstanding. And, you know, do they need a copy of the invoice to get it paid or if there's a particular reason why they haven't paid? 
So we would look at it from that approach. And then if they didn't play ball, then we'd start to escalate it slowly. Um, but we find that by cutting out the emotion and just dealing with the facts of the matter, it, it just gets yeah. that response. When it all goes quiet and you can get no response, can you help with that? Yeah, so normally when it goes quiet, there's, there's two reasons. Uh, first being that they've just had enough of the whole situation and they're waiting for you to take the next action. Um, or the second reason is sometimes they've just gone. They're no longer there. So um, telephone calls, they may have changed number, may have moved address. So part of that process, what we can do is, and help is to find if there's a forwarding address or do some what we call pre-sue inquiries. So we would look at a case and see, does this person own their property? Uh, if so, how much is it worth? Does it have a mortgage? And try and work out what this person's assets are worth to then lead on to the next stage, which is, do you need to take that next course of action and, and take it further? So definitely can help in that respect. But I think most of the time is, if there's radio silence, it tells me that they've either not got the funds, they've either moved, or they dispute the debt. It's one of those three, really. Uh, finally, yeah, I think being agile is really um, important um, in debt collection. So I suppose one of the, the mottos I live by is what the, the late Muhammad Ali said, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Um, you've got to be quick because if someone owes you money, the likelihood is that they owe other people money. And I've always sort of said this, is that he or she who shouts aloud loudest gets paid first. So you need to act on that as quickly as possible and not just let it sit there because all the time your debt is sitting there, someone else is potentially taking action and they're getting paid first. So it's about acting fast. Edge, I want to ask something because, you know, you are dealing in an in a arena of high emotion. You're dealing with people's money, people's lives and people's families and homes. And, you know, we've mentioned all these words like charges over houses and, and debts and recovery and suing, inside a court, outside a court, reaching a deal, settling. Is there any time when you've got, you know, just for example, someone like me who's, who's passionately, you know, we're going to fight this, we're going to chase it, we're, you know, we're not going to let this go, I know I'm owed it. And you have to sort of educate and encourage them that enough's enough. This is what we have to do next. Absolutely. So funny enough, one of my biggest clients um, became my big, biggest client because of this scenario. And basically they were owed uh, quite a substantial debt, circa about 20 grand. Um, and the person that, well, it was a company that owed the money and the company disputed the debt in its entirety. Um, and the, my client was adamant that they were going to collect the debt. Um, so the only realistic option was to take legal action. Um, but the, the, the company that owed the money said to me on the phone that if our client proceeded to take legal action, that they would then counterclaim against my client. If they won the case, then they would take their costs from my client. However, if they lost, then they will just wind up the company and let it go under. And it was already a dormant company. So looking at it from the client's perspective, I, I said to the client, look, you know, you're owed 20K. It's going to cost you three to 5K to fight this case. Um, if you win, they're just going to wind it up. If you lose, they're, they're going to have a cost, you're going to have a cost order against you. So it's a lose-lose situation for you. Um, and my, how do you deliver that? I mean, you know, how do you tell someone that? It's it's difficult, but it's it's black and white. It's yeah. facts. You just take the emotion out of it. And you mentioned that earlier on, being emotionless and being very clinical. Mm -hmm. You're crystallising the detail, and you're making a clinical decision that, that this is best practice. This is what you should do. You, you're actually in danger if it's done right, and you've got the personal skills and the relationship and that strength of trust to turn something very negative into something positive, I guess. Absolutely, I, I could have quite easily said to the client, let's take them to court and see what happens and just go from there. But I, I know that it was going to be a, a car, crash, car crash waiting to happen. So there's a lesson there, you know, we, we need to listen, we need to learn and we, I guess the other thing that comes across to me, you need to be right on top of your terms of business to give yourself a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Just to finish this off, Andrew, what what would be, you know, the key, the key pieces of advice you'd give to someone listening if, if this is the show what, what advice would you give them to, to to really get on the right track um, well the first piece of advice would be don't sit on it and just think it's going to pay because 
there might be an underlying reason why it's not paying. So I think that's really important. Um, the, the, the next piece of advice, actually, I, I've not really mentioned yet, but um, within terms of business, um, you should really see if you've got um, recoverable cost clause. Um, so with business to business, you've got the Late Payment of Commercial Debts Interest Act that you can rely on when it's business to business. But however, when you're dealing with a consumer who is your client, then you don't automatically um, recover your costs from that client. So you could spend a fortune trying to recover the debt um, and not get that money back. So you need to have a clause in your terms and conditions that, that allows you to apply additional costs and interest uh, if, if your, your end client is a consumer. So I see it very often, um, pretty much 90% of the time where the end client is a consumer um, and the, my client hasn't got that particular clause. So in essence, if we were to try and collect the debt, then it would come out of their pocket. Yeah. No, I mean that's that that's, that makes a massive difference, and that's something that we can all do ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we can do that ourselves, can't we? Andrew, listen, I, I know there's going to be people that are interested in, in getting in touch with you or, or wanting to know what, more about your business. So so before we finish the episode, we'll come on so people know how they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, how they can get you on your website, and I know you've got something that you want to want to offer the listeners as well, don't you? So yeah. so we'll come on to that a bit 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 later. Andrew, it's been brilliant. You know, we've got a dead collector in the room, so it's always something that, that's, that's a bit of trepidation. But I think what you're bringing is you're bringing a personal side to it that says it doesn't have to be scary. You know, you can you can be on either side of this of this this situation and have and have valid reasons for not wanting to pay or wanting to be paid. If you find a resolution which is fair and parties are happy, brilliant. You know, that every everything moves on. If you can't reach that resolution between you, there are steps you can take. Let's be honest, finding a new job is hard for everyone. It can be scary, exciting, and frankly, at times, terrifying, which is why Foyne Jones have introduced our Time for Change services. Working with our team of industry-specific recruiters will improve all aspects of your job search, giving you the confidence to showcase yourself in a crowded environment. Our specialist services include employability workshops, one-to-one -one career coaching, CV clinics, social media strategy, personal branding and video introductions to target employers. With prices ranging from just £150, there is a specialist support available for everyone. So if you feel that now is your time for change, visit foynjones.com and begin a process that will change your life for the better. We are Foyne Jones and this is what we do. Andrew, so we've learned about you. We, we now know the, the secret of intelligent debt recovery and, and arguably what you can offer someone who's in that situation. We are going to come on to my favourite subject away from Foyne Jones and life-changing recruitment. That is football. And we're going to talk about your team. So if I said we've called this section of the show Glory Glory, what's the final bit of that? Tottenham Hotspur. Glory Glory Tottenham Hotspur. Yet another Spurs fan is joining me. Um, Talk to me about why you support Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Well, it's a bit of a strange one, really, because um, when I was in Australia, I was growing up with the sort of um, Gaza days and Ian Rush. So I was split between Tottenham and Liverpool at the time. I really liked both teams. Um, having met my wife and then obviously my, my father-in-law now, um, it was a prerequisite. If I was going to join the family, I'd have to be a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, but um, yeah, it, uh, I like Tottenham Hotspur all the, all the time and um, it was just a, a natural progression and that made, the, just crystallised it for me, I suppose. So so when is the World Cup? Do you support three countries to hedge your bets? I mean, do you, do you, do Australia, Greece and England or do you pick pick one of them? I pick the winning team. Yeah. Okay. I, I always go with the winning team. So yeah. I've, I've got that out up my Fair side. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. So, Andrew. You've joined a Tottenham Hotspur Football Club supporting family. Does mm -hmm. that mean you've got all the Chaz and Dave albums at home, mate? I haven't, actually. I you haven't? haven't? No, you no, haven't I haven't. You haven't got the Chaz and Dave album. But, uh, yeah, see, the thing is, like, I I've inherited from my father-in-law a load of different um, uh, 
the uh, the program pictures yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And oh mate, I mean um, Tottenham had some of the best FA Cup final songs ever, didn't they? In the cup for Tottenham, you know they, they had the songs and Chas and Dave built them out. So an interesting story. Um, a son of a very famous Tottenham player worked, worked here for a while. Chrissy Hutton's boy Leon worked, oh, worked wow. with us for a while. Yeah, he was uh, some of the stories. You know when you got yeah. when you got Glenn Odder and Ozzy Ardiles as your godfathers on speed dial. We yeah. used to you know Harry when he was Harry done no work whatsoever. They'd just be out there talking about football all the time. But but Tottenham have got that sort of I don't know whether it's Hollywood or there's a flair about the club. They seem to they seem to always be you know, we play football the right way. And you think Hoddle, you think Ricky Velia. Then you, you mentioned Gaza before. You know you've had the great players there and the goal scorers. But one thing that always stands out for me with Tottenham Hotspur is when Fulham began getting back into the top flight. Um, I remember going to White Hart Lane and, you know, you, you are walking from Seven Sisters or Tottenham Hour and you're, you know, it really has an aura about it, which was an old fashioned stadia. Um, did you enjoy that White Hart Lane experience? Yeah, it's a bit like, um, uh, like a music video or a film. Like, you know, you've got three or four people walking up and then as you get closer, the crowd gets bigger and bigger and bigger until the pinnacle of when you arrive and it's just madness and it's it's really good and you know it's it's exciting as a as a new sort of supporter to 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 visualise that. So so going back to to the early two thousands when you were following Tottenham, you went to quite a few of the games, didn't you? With your father in law, yeah. To a few well, times. even to to this day, we still yeah. sort of go to as many games as possible. Uh, we're not season ticket holders, but we try and get there as often as possible. Uh, the most recent game I went to was back end of last year, which was the Tottenham v Olympiakos game. Um, and then hopefully, who's you supporting? Oh God, Tottenham. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm just just checking, mate, because yeah. I know you've got different routes for every every everyone you play. So, so what do you think of the new stadium? Oh, it's fantastic. It's it's just different level. I mean, it's like Disneyland. Yeah, it's it's I've amazing. Not been there. I mean, the it's just what just The facilities, are just amazing. Yeah. You know, it looks like a you know six star hotel sort of thing. It's you know the sh- everything from the shop to the. Um, the concourse, the actual stadium itself—it's—it's it's phenomenal. Okay, so let, let's talk about the pain of being a football fan, <laughs> all right? Because you know, football is not all about success. It's not all about winning. It's about hope and despair and that false hope that keeps you going. Tottenham last season were really close, all right? They were really close. There was some miraculous, miraculous comebacks to to put them in that Champions League final. How often do you think about what might have been? Well, being a Tottenham supporter, you just get used to that, Peter. To be honest, because Mate, I support Fulham, so I'm really used to it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so you ju- and again with the Tottenham, you know, you're, you're you're watching a game on the edge of the seat, and you know you might be three nil up, and all of a sudden it's three all. It's it's you know there's a lot of heartache with Tottenham, and you know potentially heart attack moments where you think we we should nail this, but you know our last trophy was what 2008, so that's. Best part. That was a milk eleven, cup, wasn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. against um, Chelsea, and um, it's it's you 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 do get used to it as a Tottenham supporter, but you've got that belief. And Tottenham were kind of all you know. In my growing up in the in the eighties, they were like the cup team. You know, they won it in eighty, they won it in eighty one, or eighty one, eighty two, and, and then eighty seven. You know, they, they, they lost to Cov, didn't they? In eighty seven, they got it in the nineties. I remember those Tottenham Arsenal semi finals at Wembley. You know, there were, there were some big iconic cup games, but never really had the consistency in the league. Um, we're going to go on to what happened last year in last November. We've got to come on this. We've got to talk about it. Pochettino, for me, was an amazing football manager, an amazing coach, and I think he'd done amazing things with that football team up until the beginning of the season. You know, something was not right. Results were off off keel. Some of the players that should be on that pitch were not on that pitch, and the ones that should be on there should be performing weren't performing. But would you, at any time in September, October, or early November, expected Jose Mourinho to be taking control of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club? No, absolutely not. I think with Pochettino, I think you know he had built a team for the previous four to five years, um, turned them into a great football club again. Um, so and getting to the Champions League final, that's just a dream for a Tottenham fan, let alone to win it. Um, so you know, you just think, oh, what if we win it? It's fantastic. But as a Tottenham fan, you you just rein back that emotion because yeah. you don't think it can happen. But to see him then go a few months afterwards, it was a shock, really. And then with Jose Mourinho, he's a, he's a tried and tested manager. He's got so many um, trophies under his belt, but. 
I'm not a particularly massive fan of he his really, style of in play. His, in his early few games, he really brought like the Hollywood on the special one back to it, didn't he? You know, I'm the humble one. Uh, you know what? You know, hello Delhi. Is this are you? Is it you or your brother? You know, he was really bringing it out, and he's made the ball boy a celebrity now, hasn't yeah, he? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so he done things in those early days that kind of stamped his authority, and the results went very well. I've got to ask you this. You know, I've got to ask you this. Do you believe he's going to be there for the long term? I don't believe so. I think it, it all depends on the how much he's allowed to spend and control. And with Daniel Levy, that's a, a disaster waiting to happen, in my opinion. We're going to do a Foyne Jones penalty shootout, which I know you've been looking forward to, mate. I know you've been looking forward to it. You're going to take five penalties in the form of questions. I'm going to be fair to you, mate. They're not going to be about Australia. They're not going to be about Greece. They're not going to be about England. They're going to be about your football club, Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And we are going to start with not the obvious question. Everyone wants, wants me to ask you, do you think Jose or Poch, what would you have done if you was in charge? If... Jose Mourinho and Mauricio Pochettino were off the game. You know, they were, they were managing in Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man United, wherever. Couldn't be manager of your football club. And you could pick one manager for penalty number one. Who would you put in charge of Tottenham? Oh, that's a, that's a really tricky one, actually. I think, um, if does it have to be a current manager? It's completely up to you. It's a manager who, if... Mourinho wasn't in charge. Pochettino wasn't in charge. You can't have either of them. You had to have someone to take the game on Saturday. Who would take the game? I think I'd have to go back to Fergie. Um, you get Fergie out of retirement. Yeah, get him out of retirement. I think he would have done uh, a great job. And you know, you look at his Manchester United dynasty, and no one's been able to sort of fulfil that role going forward. But not so, Eddie Howe. Not Sean Dyche. Not, not not Brendan Rodgers. No, no, I think Fergie would would do it for me. He's just. Top, top class. Although I don't necessarily agree with all of his tactics. He, yeah. he gets the results. You didn't even up. consider Tim Sherwood. He had a good win ratio. No, I know, but with Fergie, we get Fergie time as well, <laughs> don't Fergie we? Time. Okay, so penalty number one, if you could have anyone in charge, you'd have Sir Alex. Yeah. Good, okay. Penalty number two, who's your favourite ever Tottenham Hotspur Football Club player? I'm going to have to go with Jurgen Klinsmann, I think. Jurgen the German? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's the growing up memories. Um, so that's that that sort of forms the fundamental reasons why you pick a team, I suppose. Best goal, penalty number three. Best goal, um, I would have to say David Bentley against um, Arsenal uh, when he sort of chested the ball down and on the volley smashed it from about halfway line over the keeper, uh, and uh, the fact that it was against Arsenal just cherry on the cake okay this is my favourite penalty it's number yep. four it's like it's like the money breaker really this is the big one um, it's not about players it's not about managers it's not about goals it's about why we love football so much it's the bit which doesn't get in the middle it's being a fan sometimes people say the 90 minutes ruins a good day and it certainly does when you support <laughs> Fulham the 90 minutes is pain you know that we've been, we've been at a game together do you remember that game little Harry Winks 99th minute 102nd minute <laughs> play, to, play, till, play till Tottenham win but what we go to football for is atmosphere, being out with your mates, being out with your family, and we do like to get involved in some of the chance. As a Tottenham fan at the moment, what song gets you on the feet the most? I think uh, for me, it's got to be the "We've Got a Lee" um, song. That that just I just don't think you understand. Yeah, it just gives yeah. me goosebumps every time, you know, and it refers to Arsenal as well or Ozil. Um, so yeah, I think that one's the one that gives me the goosebumps the most. Okay, we've got Ali, Delhi. Okay, fair enough. So summarising the shootout as we come up to the last question, you would have Fergie in charge if you couldn't have one or other. Your best goal was David Bentley. Jurgen the German or Jurgen Klinsmann's your favourite iconic player. Well, yeah. I guess that's a cult hero type yeah. type type memory there, isn't it? Delhi Ali's got the favourite song on the terraces. Where do you think you'll finish in the Premier League this season? Well, I'd love to say now. Um, we would, had you asked me maybe two, three months ago, I would have said I'd be happy in the top half of the, the table. Um, I'd like to think now that we'd be top four again this season after a poor, poor start to the season.
Andrew, thank you very much for coming to Falling Jones Towers today. Um, I think starting the 2020, our first episode, focusing on cash flow, intelligent debt recovery, and the bottom line is a real powerful message we can send out to our listeners. Um, we're coming to the end of the episode, and I just wanted to give you that chance to to talk to our social media connections, talk to the people listening to the show that, that may be in a situation where they need some help, and tell them what you can do to help them, mate, with your closing message. I think uh, the first thing I'd say is don't sit on it. You know, seek some advice, you know, Give us a call. Happy to have a, uh, an initial chat about the whole situation and see if there's anything we can do to help. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd probably say is I'm more than happy to offer the first 10 Foyne Jones listeners a free sort of uh, terms and conditions health check and just look at them and see, you know, if they're um, any areas that I feel that they would need some professional advice on. And what would that involve? I think for me, the most important piece of it would be to look at um, the recoverable cost and interest clause to see if that's um, in there. The other thing is, you know, sometimes you could have uh, put in a, a personal guarantee, so that you're hooking that person up. Um, sometimes, you know, if your if your uh, product is um, you provide a product as opposed to a service, you might want to have a lien over goods, so you mm. the goods remain yours until they're paid for. So. You know, just simple sort of things that could make a big difference. So if anyone's listening to the show and they want to take advantage of that, almost like a health check, I guess, or an audit of, of how watertight and how secure your terms of business or your terms of conditions are, you're going to offer that for them completely free of charge? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that's an amazing offer to share. I love things like this because we're offering value. We're offering value, Callum. It's what it's all about. And this is this is a subject which is which is emotionally powerful and it can be consuming and it can be, be it can have a real effect on everything because mm -hmm. because no matter where you go, you can be thinking about it. Brilliant we can offer that. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Have you enjoyed yourself? Absolutely, it's been brilliant. You was a bit nervous before, and not, yeah. not, not when you arrived, but you was nervous, nervous when we spoke about it because you're like, why would anyone want to listen to a debt collector? You know, <laughs> why would you want to put me on a, on, on a podcast? But but I think, and you know, we, we really spoke about this in the before the show and when we were looking at guests I think bringing guests on who can add value to our listeners businesses from all different ends you know front end support end recovery end you, you're bringing something different and you know it's another local company like you know, I know you work nationally but like we do here but it's nice to get that around and I think there's going to be I, I think there'll be a lot of interest in your services and for me as a business owner myself I would say in my experience it's best in class what you don't do is always tell me what I want to hear. You know, you tell me what's true, what's real, what can be done and what can't be done. And you do it with a level of integrity, of warmth and compassion. And long may it continue. Andrew, thank you very much for coming on the show. Good luck for the rest of the season with the Spurs. Thank you very much, Peter. Callum, cheers. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.